1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Now, Asif, as you know, I'm a consumer of news, and this week a couple of headlines caught my eye, and I need your take. One was about how Montreal real estate prices have increased 21%, Ottawa 19%. In both cases, like here in York Region and the GTA, there is a lack of inventory. Do you anticipate any sort of change at all going forward? And, and, you know, Tina, that's consistent with the numbers across the country. And we've seen significant increases right across Canada. And so the, the inventory shortage goes hand in hand with that. And what we're seeing right now is with the, the high number of sales due to demand and the low inventory, we're starting to see prices creep up as well. And without having more inventory, there's no relief in sight for price appreciation to calm a little bit. And at the same time, everything that comes on the market is selling. And that's why it's not that there's nothing to sell. It's just that everything that comes on the market is selling. And and that's where we're faced with such low inventory levels and high price appreciation. Now, there's also a Toronto councillor who will be asking the province to bring in a speculation tax. What is that? How does it work? And will that cool the market, do you think? So a speculation tax, it has been implemented in BC, and it really hasn't done anything. The thing is, people that are purchasing homes are purchasing homes for their own benefit, for them to live in. These are not people that are, what was happening in BC, just to give our listeners an idea, was people were purchasing a home, and before they closed on their home, they would flip that home to someone else and make money over time because prices are going up every month. So that's what they tried to curb there. Over here, there's not a lot of people that are flipping like that. I mean, there's not a lot of people that can afford to do that because, you know, you never know what's going to happen over three months or six months and you could end up losing money. Or, But uh, the people that are buying here are actually buying to live in these places. Even the people that, you know, they say there's a lot of foreign ownership. The people that are coming from overseas and purchasing houses here, they're purchasing to live in the Toronto area or the greater Toronto area. And uh, it, it really won't make a difference. It's just posturing. And it's very similar to the vacancy tax where that won't even do anything. So there's, uh, you know, it's it's not a taxable fix. This is a problem that is going to need more supply. It's going to take an injection, a huge injection of supply into the market in order to calm the market down. But even that injection of supply is not going to come quickly. What do we do in the meantime? In the meantime, we, I mean, people are going to be, you know, they say you got to drive till you qualify. So if you want something that's affordable, people are going to be driving, they're going to be stretching their limits or their boundaries that they may previously have set. And, uh, you know, with the option to work at home, it does make it a lot easier. But what if companies start calling their employees back? What if you work downtown Toronto 
and you have to go into work every day. Now that option of living a couple of hours away and, and working from home won't exist anymore, and that's going to be an issue. But until we have more inventory, people are going to continue to move out of town and, and further away. So. So in terms of affordability and trends, what can you tell us about the findings of the REMAX 2022 Housing Market Outlook Report? You know, I mean, it was uh, 59% of Canadians, Tina, said that they considered the return on investment that a home renovation could have uh, in in terms of when they're purchasing a home. Uh, There was 72% of Canadians said that the rising prices did not affect their impact or did not affect their purchasing decision or had an impact on their purchasing decision. And there's 26% of Canadians that still want to purchase a home while mortgage rates remain low. So this shows that demand is there and it's going to continue to be strong. And this is why we're going to, we're in dire need of supply in order to satisfy the Canadians that still want to get out there and purchase a home regardless of appreciation or, uh, and to take advantage of the low interest rates. Demand is still there. Will relocation also be a trend that continues into 2022? Atlantic Canada, Tina, is really reaping the benefits of people moving across the province. I mean, if you look at sales in in terms of increases, you've got Moncton up 23%. You've got Nova Scotia uh, up 21%. Newfoundland, St. John's Newfoundland was up 57% for units sold. So there's a lot of people moving out east. And, you know, with the relaxed lifestyle, the the more affordable homes and being close to the water, it's not a surprise. I mean, if people want to be there, they want to retire there, and, and they're choosing lifestyle and affordability. So what are some of the other livability factors buyers are looking for? They're looking for, right now, with schooling being done from home and people working from home, that trend continues, and they're looking for more space. And that's why a lot of the price appreciation has to do with the shift in the mix. So when we're talking about these high numbers, like 25 30% increase in prices, what we also have to consider is that there was a shift in the mix to larger properties. And, uh, you know, the larger properties, more land, more space for recreation activities at home, home theaters, these are things that have been driving the detached home market or the larger home market. And uh, and that's going to continue uh, as we move forward because people still aren't comfortable traveling. And I don't know when they will be, but, you know, people want to have their home as their, uh, you know, their their refuge, a place to just chill. And uh, that's what we're seeing in the market. So you talked about the larger properties. What did the report reveal about the condo market? The condo market continues to be strong and it really has bounced back. And what the report revealed was the condo prices are bouncing back. There was a bit of a lull, and it was driven by the larger markets. So the Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, uh, more people are moving out of condos and back uh, into the suburbs or to detached homes. So that was last year. Now, this year, people are starting to move back into those condos. And with prices of detached homes skyrocketing, that remains one uh, of the most affordable ways that you can enter a, a housing market. And that's through these condos. And builders are getting smarter now too. 
builders are now building larger condos. So you've got the two plus ones, you've got the three bedroom condos and expect that to continue through 2022 as well. So it doesn't look like the condo is that investment property anymore. It's something that people are looking for in terms of their own uh, living environment, right? It really is. And, and condo developers have really upped their game. So now they've got specific areas like uh, children's play areas. You've got basketball courts. You've got, you've got amenities that people are going to really take advantage of and use. And, and that means like, you know, having space for kids to gather and do their homework, meeting spots. And the newer condos are keeping up with the trend and the times and allowing for that space, tool rental rooms, car rental, all of that is in these new condos now. Tool rentals and car rentals. Wow. If our listeners want more information and take a deeper dive into this report, where can they find it? They can find the report at blog.remax.ca or they can give me a call at 416-985-5426 and I'll take them through it. After the break, the prospect of a rate hike. Should you lock in or go variable? Those details are coming up. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. On the Market is back. I'm Tina Cortez, and this is York Region's only radio real estate show. Over to my co-host, Asif Khan, from REMAX Prime Properties, with today's guest, Asif. Thank you, Tina. Returning to our show is Mohit Masan. Mohit is a mortgage broker, and Mohit, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How have you been? Great. How are you? Good. Thank you. And lots of talk, lots of speculation out there with regards to what's going to happen with interest rates by the end of the year. Uh, what are you hearing from your clients and you know potential purchasers or purchasers of homes? Clients are still out there buying properties. The prospects of uh, a rate hike haven't or it hasn't really impacted the sentiment yet. Uh, the clients seem fine with it. Uh, and, and they're still going for variable rates because if you look at it, the difference between a fixed rate and a variable rate right now is pretty significant. So even if there were potential rate hikes, the clients are still going to be okay having a variable rate. And that's kind of uh, giving them the incentive to go ahead and buy and perhaps get a mortgage with a variable rate. And would that be your advice to clients right now is to go the variable route? Uh, based on what the rate uh, is available, uh, for uh, the rate for every deal is different. But in a lot of the cases right now, I'd give you an example. We recently had uh, a mortgage refinance uh, approved. And the variable interest rate was 1.2%, whereas the fixed interest rate was uh, upwards of 2.55. Now, the, the, the difference between that is about 1.3%, 1.35%. And when you look at it, that's a significant buffer. And I would say if, if this was the situation, a variable rate works better for them. And that's, uh, that's a great point because there's always that talk, you know, is this the right time to change my mortgage into a fixed rate? You know, should I be waiting? And, you know, what is your advice to people that may be scared that rate hikes are coming and they're in a variable? Would you tell them to continue in their variable right now? Or is this a good time 
to lock into a fixed. Right. It'll, again, depend on what variable rate they have. So going back to my last example, if the rate's as low as, say, 1.2%, 1.3%, and if we were to lock in uh, a fixed rate of 26 then I'd say that's that's a lot of buffer to have and, and, and stick around. Let's see how things transpire. Because from what we're hearing, the first rate hike is expected to be uh, post spring of 2022, somewhere around say April, is is what a lot of uh, people are saying. Now, once we have the first rate hike, we get a better understanding of the the impact it has on inflation because that is the primary reason why the rates have to go up, etc. Uh, so I, I'd say there is no need to have a knee jerk reaction at this point of time. If there is substantial buffer, if you and, and if you are okay with with uh, maybe a potential rate hike in April, I'd say stick with your variable rate for now. So I know you said there's, you know, no need to panic, no need for a knee-jerk reaction. But how do we determine then if it's worth breaking our mortgage and renegotiating and determining whether we go in variable or fixed? Um, what do you think the advice should be at this stage of the game? Right. So if uh, the clients are... Uh, with a fixed rate, let's say you've got a fixed rate with one of the banks, I assume breaking your mortgage is going to be extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not going to be prudent for everybody to break their mortgage, especially a fixed mortgage and switch to variable, unless there is a, a big uh, interest rate advantage that they can have. So we can analyze their, their individual situation. But broadly speaking, breaking a fixed mortgage isn't... Uh, the most financially prudent things to do, given the kind of uh, uh, prepayment penalties it could attract. And if you are on a variable rate right now, I'd say it, it might make sense. The variable rates are pretty low right now. Uh, so it wouldn't be a bad idea to perhaps go back to your bank and negotiate the rate and see if they can perhaps, uh, you know, give you a slightly more discount on, on, on the variable rates. Emily, getting your crystal ball out, what's going to happen over the next quarter or over the next six months? Where do you see the Bank of Canada coming in and playing a role, and what's that going to mean for purchasers? Right. So based on what we are reading, and and again, you and I know, Asif, uh, very hard to anticipate. Uh, Some of the best analysts out there have gotten it wrong with, with, with our market here, but uh, the expectation is that perhaps there'd be a rate hike in April. And if we are looking at a timeline of six months, we can have another one, say, uh, sometime in the summer. So we can perhaps think of two rate hikes, uh, a, a potential rate increase of 0.5%. But think of this. Right now, I have a client who got approved for an insured transaction at 0.99%. If this rate was to go up by 0.5%, it becomes 1.49. But even at 1.49, the rate is phenomenal. We've been in the industry for long enough to know that even 1.49 is pretty unprecedented for a variable rate. So I I say it shouldn't impact the purchases as much. And you mentioned, you know, about going back to your bank, to your lender, and negotiating for a better rate. I think some of us are a bit reluctant to do that. What's your advice to those who might be a bit reluctant to go back into those conversations with their bank or their lender? I would say there's no harm in doing that. I've had friends of mine 
I've had clients of mine go back to the bank and and negotiate rates. And these are people who perhaps got their mortgage uh, before the pandemic, and and we know what happens to the, what what happened to the rates once the pandemic hit. So a lot of these clients got pretty pretty deep discounts when they went back to the bank. And there's nothing for you to lose. The worst thing that can happen is perhaps the banks would say no. But I would say there's no harm in trying. And Mohit, you deal with a lot of different financial institutions, and and of course the big five banks. Where are you seeing the uh, competitiveness? Where are you seeing the aggressiveness? Is it from the banks? Is it from the trust companies, the B lenders? Where are you sending most of your deals right now? Uh, The broker space is very interesting at this point of time because uh, only recently uh, HSBC started working with uh, a couple of brokerages. Uh, We are one of them, fortunately. And what that has done is that has intensified the competition in uh, in 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 our industry or in, in the broker channel. So, right from the banks to some of the other uh, financial institutions, they're all trying to compete, and they're trying to come up with uh, with great rates. I told you about the zero point nine nine percent that HSBC has offered to one of my clients. They're offering even a thousand dollar discount to go with it if it's uh, if, if it's a switch of mortgage. So it's uh, I, I think it's it again depends on the financial situation, but a lot of the deals are at this point still going towards the banks because they they are competing on rates and they're willing to kind of give us discounts. They're paying us to get a mortgage. Interesting. Mohit, if people want more information or they need to contact you, where can they do that? I can be best reached at uh, my phone number, which is six four seven seven zero nine two one one seven. Again, it's 647-709-2117. Thanks very much for your time and, as always, for the great information. We look forward to having you on in the new year. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to both of you. When we come back, your questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions, and we begin in Thornhill, with a pretty familiar ask, what advice do you have for a first-time buyer to get into the market? Asif, this question comes to us from Josh. What do you want to say to him? Josh, that's a great question. And, you know, it depends on what type of lifestyle you're choosing and how far uh, you can or cannot be from where you work. If you have a lot of options available in terms of distance from work, there's a lot of opportunities for you, you know, even in, in Northern New York region where you can get something that's a little more affordable than say in Southern New York region, like Markham or Vaughan or Richmond Hill. Uh, so it really depends. And, and the other option is to buy pre-construction or to buy a condo. And what about in terms of financing? What should Josh have in order even before he starts to look at what properties and, and what options he has out there? First thing you should do, Josh, is is get pre-approved in terms of financing and know what your limits are, know what your budgets are, and how much money you're going to need down. Now, there's going to be other expenses as well. Like, uh, you know, it depends if you're a first-time buyer, you're going to get some land transfer breaks. 
Uh, it depends on where you want to purchase because, you know, in Toronto, there's uh, the extra land transfer tax. So we want to make sure all the financial stuff is set for you before you start looking so that you start looking at the right properties and uh, and be able to move into something that is affordable and it's not going to make you house poor in terms of, uh, you know, living. You still want to have a life outside of your home, but at the same time, you want to get your foot in the door now because prices continue to climb. You said a couple of things there. You said you don't want to be house poor and you should know your limits. How then does, you know, this listener not get caught up in a bidding war, for example? Because it's easy to do that. It's, uh, it's tough because a lot of times a home purchase becomes emotional mm-hmm. and you have to eliminate the emotion or, or at least limit the emotion and, you know, rely on your realtor to offer you the right guidance because what you don't want to do, Josh, is go into a bidding war, pay forty, fifty thousand dollars above asking, and then find out that the appraisal came in twenty or thirty thousand dollars less than what you paid because now you have to put that amount in cash. And not a lot of people have that much money in their bank account to be able to cover these shortages that are uh, you know coming through because of low appraisals. Our next question is from Jessa in Markham. She plans to leave Markham and head to Burlington because of affordability, but she can only afford an older condo building. What red flags should she be aware of before she buys? Well, another great question, Jessa. And and with older condo buildings, what you want to make sure is you want to take a look at the maintenance fees. Usually with the older buildings, you're you're faced with a lot more fees. You want to see what the maintenance fees cover. Uh, you know, some maintenance fees in older buildings, they cover everything. They don't have separate gas meters or, uh, you know, you're, you're paying everything through your maintenance fees, your water, your gas, your, hi- your hydro. So make sure when you're looking at the maintenance fees, you back out those expenses because in the newer buildings, you would have a separate meter. And, and sometimes that's better because you're in control of what you're consuming. Uh, the other thing to look for is what type of maintenance is being done to the property. You want to order a status certificate for sure for an older building because you want to see how much money they have in their account and how much they have allocated towards future repairs. Because as a condo owner, you own a portion of that uh, condominium and of that corporation. So if they have significant expenses coming up, so maybe they have a pool and they have to redo it, maybe the underground parking needs to be revamped. These are expenses that if the building doesn't have enough money, you're going to be on the hook for that through something called a special assessment. And that's when they assess it and say, okay, on top of your maintenance fees, you're going to have to pay an extra $1,000 a month for the next three years because this is costing $36,000 per unit more than what we anticipated. So make sure that you review the status certificate, have a lawyer review the status certificate, and make sure that the maintenance of the building is up to par with some of the others. Such good advice. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can get me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Time now for the On the Market Hot Listing. Asif, over to you. Tina, we're going to go to Cornell in Markham. And Cornell is that little pocket. It's a really great pocket, great schools, lots of parks, all the amenities surrounding it. The Markham Civil Hospital is right there. It's a ninth line Highway 7 area, so it's just north of the 407. And uh, this is 96 Albert Lewis Street, and it's being offered for $1,088,800. It's a four-bedroom, 
four-bathroom property, Tina, with a one-car detached garage. I must admit, I'm a big fan of that detached garage idea. You don't see them much these days, do you? You don't, but this pocket in in Cornell has uh, many of them. In fact, a lot of the Markham, new homes in Markham do have detached garages. And what it allows you, it allows you a lot more space inside the home itself. Uh, less, Less of backyard space, but... The thing is, when they're making houses tighter together, and if you have a, a an attached garage taking up, you know, maybe five, six hundred square feet inside your home, then that's that space that you're losing. So with the detached garage, although you get a smaller yard, you do get more space within the home. One more time, Asif, the highlights of this property and where our listeners can get more information. It's a beautiful detached home, four bedroom, four bathroom finished basement. It is absolutely stunning. It's all been renovated as well. It's a newer home to start with, uh, a detached single car garage with parking spot. And the price on this is $1,088,800. It's going to get multiple offers for sure. And you can contact Marius Mitrofan at 905-554-5522. Thanks, Asif. Thanks, Tina. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.